I think what was occurring in, in the space for a long time is companies were jumping around from AWeber, MailChimp, you know, constant contact and so on, looking for better delivery. But really what they needed was a better service because their business really relied on it. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today we have Ross Paquette, who's the CEO of Meripost, which makes powerful, easy-to-use enterprise-grade software solutions to scale your sales and marketing. I'm going to let him explain what that means in a moment. Ross, how's it going? Great, great. And, uh, great to be here as well. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. So uh, from a background perspective, I started off in the, the sales and marketing atmosphere, specifically in the, the email space. Which grew really quickly. I did start off in the in the sales atmosphere, so nothing on the product side. But um, you know, some of my goals uh, in the early stages were to just you know build a platform, you know, have ten customers, have a little bit of a lifestyle business, and and you know, kind of see where things go from there. Obviously, things have, have gotten a little bit out of, out of hand in terms of us just having ten clients. But we continue to kind of launch as if we're looking to build an organization. And so when I say organization. I'm looking to expand ourselves beyond just, you know, a, a tech company that's or a startup, I guess you could say, uh, that's looking to, to sell or to go public as quickly as possible. Obviously, that's a big component in our marketplace today. But the goal for us long term is, is again, to, to be a bit more of an established player, similar to the, the Oracle, Salesforce's, IBM's uh, of the world. And obviously, it's going to take us uh, potentially a little bit of time to get there. But that's certainly our, our kind of strategy moving forward. Got it. And how long has the company been around? Uh, so it's been around for about six years, four years of those, you know, highly active, I guess you could say. So the first two years were, were I was still, you know, kind of working in, a, in an employment uh, role to fund the development of Meropost. And, you know, the, I'd say the latter four have been our, our more explosive growth years, of course. Yeah, you you guys kind of came out of nowhere because I remember just a couple of years ago, it's like everyone just started talking about Meripose. You got to use Meripose, da 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 da. Um, so I'm just curious, like, can you walk us through kind of in, in terms of numbers where the company is at today? You know, revenues, growth wise, things like that. Yeah. So so back in uh, what year are we in here? We're so we're 2018 now. Uh, so I guess back in 13, we were doing about uh, or, or 12, we were doing about 300,000 in revenue. Uh, and then in 12 months, we went to 3.3 million to 13.3 million to 25.5 million. Uh, and now we do over 40 million. So uh, growing very quickly, obviously, from a, a revenue standpoint in a short amount of time. Um, and again, to, uh, you know, to one of the key components, we've done all that without raising any capital, uh, you know, mainly just on our own, uh, you know, product and innovation uh, focus being the being one of our key areas, of course. Got it. Okay. So what do you think was the key drivers for, for those years? Was it just because uh, you guys started popping up at conferences and things like that? So 300 to the 3.6, right? Like what happened with that all that to get there, I guess? 
Yeah, I mean, really, we, we focused heavily on product, and we don't change that methodology today. Where we want, we strive to be very innovative. So the goal wasn't, you know, again, just using the the startup methodology, raise a bunch of capital, hire a ton of salespeople, spend a boatload of money on marketing. We really just focused on, you know, the, the word of mouth and, and referral aspects that we were gaining, uh, and very similar to how you and I first connected. Um, that would get, was again very much a, a referral based situation. So that still makes up a large component of our of our revenue growth or our, our sales growth. Um, but now we obviously are transitioning into, I guess you could say, the more standard forms of uh, of marketing plans. Of you know, word of mouth and, and referral can only take you so far. But you know, it, from my perspective, I would rather continue to grow the company from that perspective because it allows us to keep you know these great uh, relationships with our customers, who who of course are our best advocates or biggest advocates. Yeah. And just to share with the audience really quick, Ross and I connected a while back when I was doing some some contract work, actually actually considering full-time employment at this company. And, you know, we we referred Meripost in and, you know, let's just put it this way, the referrals are exceptional at Meripost. So if you're into marketing at all, um, you have, you know, some kind of way to refer this to somebody else, um, Meripost is the company to work with there. Just letting you guys know, a little nudge. So, you know, how is, I guess, you know, how does the tool actually, if we can dive into a little more, how does it help people today? And uh, let's just go into that. Sure, for sure. So marketing, uh, we have two products, Meripost Marketing Cloud and then Meripost Sales Cloud, Sales Cloud being brand new. On the marketing cloud side of things, so we did start off as an email service provider. We are email first, so that is the core, the backbone of our product, obviously both from you know customer revenue side of things to uh, you know the main form of communication that's that's utilized. So really, we, we've expanded beyond email to you know mobile being push and in-app messaging to uh, social being you know kind of uh, data feeds being lead ad acquisition being Facebook custom audiences. Uh, obviously, scheduling, posting all of the management from there. We've gotten into acquisition. Uh, so when I say acquisition, I'm referring to survey functionality, form functionality, obviously, which is standard, excuse me, landing pages. And then our, our most recent uh, launch, which I believe is next week, uh, we have a new kind of, I guess you could say an acquisition builder where you're you know, defining the strategy of how you communicate with your customers on the site. So I'm not referring to web push by any means. I'm referring to what will result in, say, a light box or a modal showing up and how you're able to split test and effectively target people better, I guess you could say, than just the standard, uh, you know, kind of email acquisition forms that most people use these days. Uh, we also obviously have marketing automation built in and, and we've had some major improvements on the reporting side of things. Uh, so we've just moved into, uh, you know, kind of our version two of pivot table reporting. But Really, the overall is that our platform is, you know, is fully multi-channel. We didn't purchase any other companies. What we're finding is most of our competitors, you know, the likes of Salesforce Marketing Cloud or IBM Marketing Cloud or Oracle Marketing Cloud, or the list kind of goes on there, uh, is that they're, you know, building their tools based on acquisition. And, and as you focus or, or as most of our customers are focusing on the, you know, kind of single customer view, you really can't do that with a you know disparate system or you really can't do that with you know six different solutions or 10 different solutions which many of the times is is what our customers are experiencing today or or prior to uh, Meripost that is got it and, and so like what who are your kind of ideal companies to to work with and and how do you guys charge sure so uh, on the marketing cloud side of things, our, our ideal customers are certainly the the mid market to enterprise, I guess you could say, and that's that's everyone from uh, you know e-commerce, publishing, you know automotive, travel, hospitality, uh, being some of the the key areas. You know companies like Rolling Stone, companies like New York Post, 
companies like Success Publications, which is how, how we obviously met. You know, the, these are key, you know, kind of uh, players within within the verticals that they're in. So that being said, we also have a, a very strong level of service within the, you know, the SMB event market where email is a, a core focus of their business. Um, and I say that because I think what was occurring in, in the space for a long time is companies were jumping around from AWeber, MailChimp, you know, constant contact and so on, looking for better delivery. But really what they needed was a better service because their business really relied on it. So we've had a lot of success in that uh, space over the last, I guess you'd say, you know, three years um, in an industry or a vertical that I, I really wasn't familiar with beforehand. I think when most people think of starting up, you know, a, a tech company, their main focus is how do we get the biggest companies in the world, you know, selling our solution? You know, sometimes the the uh, more obscure areas might might produce the best results. And now on the sales cloud side of things, which is our new product, that really covers everybody from the you know the SMB side of things all the way to the enterprise side. So uh, our goal there is not only to unseat you know organizations like Infusionsoft or Entreport, it's also to unseat organizations like like Salesforce or Sugar or uh, Microsoft Dynamics. Or on the e-commerce side, uh, organizations like uh, obviously Shopify Plus or Magento or Demandware. So we really are, you know, building, I guess you could say, an, uh, an ecosystem as uh, you know that competes with a multitude of, uh, of verticals as opposed to just focusing on you know one key area. And I think that's a, a key focus to our our growth strategy, uh, you know, over the next few years. Got it. And, and so for all this stuff right now, and I guess maybe to back up a second, I mean, a couple of years ago when I when I heard of you guys and, and even two years ago, I guess, um, when we first interacted, you know, my understanding was Maripost is just it's the, the kind of key benefit is making sure that deliverability with in terms of email is, is very high. When did you guys start ha- adding all these other things or did you kind of have the bulk of these already? No, we, we started adding them, I'd say, right around two years ago. Um, you know, given the, the requirements from our customers, you know, deliverability is certainly a, a key area for, for any organization at any size in terms, of, uh, in terms of their strategy. I mean, you can have all the features in the world, but if your mail is not being delivered, then it really serves no purpose. So, you know, we really kind of have mastered that area. And the main reason is that I've always had a, a deep appreciation for the fact that we don't tell Gmail or Yahoo or Hotmail what to do. So we obviously have built out a team on that front that, you know, can handle any of the requests and the relationships that are required from it. Uh, so once we, you know, really kind of tackled that area, you know, the focus became very much the innovation and the product side. So, you know, we constantly add, you know, anywhere from five to 15 features per month in, into the platform, uh, just being marketing cloud, that is, um, which is more than, you know, most of our competitors launch in an entire year or, or, or multiple years, as an example. That's crazy. So, OK, 15, 15 features or so a month. I mean, how big is the team right now? Uh, the team is 175, I believe. Give or take a couple, yeah. Yeah. So, how do you manage that? Because it's you know most companies, like you mentioned, aren't aren't doing you know they aren't pushing that hard. Um, I mean, we we have a great uh, you know technology team. Our our chief technology officer, who's also a co-founder, um, you know, is nothing short of a genius in terms of how he he architects many of these these areas. To be honest with you, I think we could even be doing better than that. But I, I think the goal is that we have a very aggressive schedule in terms of what our expectation is. And we also are, again, very similar to how we focus just on innovation in general. Uh, we focus on innovation within our product. So a lot of the backend infrastructure or, um, you know, kind of code languages that we leverage are all kind of the, the newest or the latest and greatest, I guess you could say. Got it. 
Okay, great. And then going back to kind of the, the, the pricing, so how do you guys charge? Uh, we, so on the marketing cloud side of things, the bulk of anybody's uh, agreement is going to be their, their email volume. So they can sign up for, you know, one, two, three, four, five, you know, 500 million emails uh, in a month, as an example, or in a given year time frame, depending on their preference. So it does, it does function in a mainly a CPM basis or cost per message basis. Got it. And that's that's interesting, right? So, how did you come across that pricing? Because it turns out that that actually it's it's genius that it worked out for you. Because everybody, when they when it comes to pricing any kind of product at all, they just kind of look at what Salesforce doing or what are these other tools doing, right? So, how did you come up with that? And uh, I guess did it was it just successful out the gate? Yeah, I mean, most of our uh, so there's a lot of companies out there obviously doing things based on contacts. Um, most of the the enterprise or, or mid market players still do it based on volume. Um, and, and they are, they always have a few of the enterprise uh, firms, you know, Adobe as an, as an example, or Adobe campaign, uh, they did, you know, move to a contact base, but, you know, we, we want to equate success to, you know, email volume. So if we're generating revenue for, for Maripost based on how many emails you send, we're going to, you know, focus on helping you not only grow your subscriber base, but how much revenue are you generating? Are you managing your program successfully? You know, are you re-engaging recipients that may have fallen off? You know, a lot of it is tied back to that. So we really want to take part in our customer growth as well. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. So how are you guys, I guess, you know, the the first, let's see, the first hundred customers or so sounds like a lot of hand-to-hand combat for you guys. I guess maybe let's let's come to today. So how are you guys acquiring customers today? Like what's the most effective stuff you're doing? I'd say for the bulk of it is our outbound programs. Um, we, we have, you know, kind of a, a focus around the mid-market to enterprise e-commerce players, the mid-market to enterprise publishing companies. So the, the goal is really just to, to pinpoint, um, you know, the, the organizations within specific territories and, and have our outbound team contact them. Now, uh, while that is our, our main source, we certainly, you know, go to trade shows. We certainly run PPC. We certainly certainly run, uh, you know, sponsored content programs. We have a lot of uh, education strategies. Strategies we're, we're putting in place for 2018, um, so we are adapting very quickly to um, you know the shifts in the business. I guess you could say. Got it. And then so when you say when you say uh, I guess in, in terms of mid market to enterprise deals, let's just look at mid market. What kind of deal sizes are you typically looking at? Our, our average customer is about ninety five thousand uh, per year. Got it. Okay, so sales cycles can be a little longer. You guys can afford to spend more. It, it can be. Uh, sometimes it can be very quick, which is the the unique component. I think that you know there's a lot of players in the in the email space that have been around for a long time, and uh, you know organizations have been on those platforms for many years. And when they see you know what we bring to the table, feature functionality, service wise, it's 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 a, something that they want to get involved with or get onto immediately. It's not something they want to drag on for you know six months, as an example. So it certainly can go in both directions, dependent. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking at your case studies right now. Oh, look, it's it's my podcast co-host Neil. So let's I guess let's look at this Mercedes Benz case study. So how did you guys go about winning Mercedes Benz? And you, are you I guess what are you guys doing for them? Yeah. So so they manage their entire email program on uh, Merrill Post, and they actually came in through an agency partner of ours, um, ironically located in the in the Toronto area, which is where our headquarters is. But they were they were struggling with the email platforms they were they were previously using. They had um, a, f- a handful of them, I believe, and none of them were really producing any results. And not only were they not producing results, the the ROI was certainly in a negative aspect 
uh, based on what you know what they were paying for those platforms. Um, so they they leverage everything from you know automated campaigns you know to personalized messaging. Uh, one of their most popular programs is certainly how they target their you know their high profile uh, recipients. When I say high profile, I mean maybe uh, uh, Mercedes AMG buyers as an example. You can't really communicate you know the same way with that type of buyer as you would for for an entry level buyer as an example. So they they've really got a lot of automation in terms of how that's managed, um, as opposed to again you know I'd say the more manual process that many customers still. Use. Got it. Okay. I'm just trying to look at the, the results. Let's see the results. 250 segments and 85 journeys. What does that mean? Uh, that means, sorry, what they're talking about is the amount of, um, I guess you'd say, targeted groups that they're managing within their customer base and how many automation sequences effectively they have. So they have 85 different kind of automated journeys that, uh, you know, subscribers, customers can go down uh, based on, again, the products or, or the vehicles they're interested in or the products they're interested in, you know, or what might be coming up that's most relevant to them as well. Got it. Okay. And so just these other results here, just so everyone knows, 4X industry open rates, 3X industry click rates, and there's a little nice testimonial. So you guys should definitely check that out. So going back to the early days, I mean, you were at these, uh, you know, we, we talked about digital marketer and there's kind of, you know, a lot of these, uh, you talked about, in, you know, competing with Infusionsoft too. And then now it's like you're talking mid-market to enterprise, right? So at some point you decided we need to kind of, you know, uh, go up market. What was kind of the turning point there? Yeah, I mean, it's really there, there's positives and negatives between, you know, staying where we were or, or uh, staying where we are and, and going, you know, or continuing to go up. Uh, you know, the, the positives of, of obviously having brand names is, is certainly the global recognition. Um, you know, obviously, the larger the company, the more uh, organizations want to work with us because we work with them, as an example. You know, the, the downside is they move a lot slower, uh, whether that's, as you mentioned, in the you know kind of contract onboarding stage or they move a lot slower in terms of executing on some of their strategies. So one of the things that we obviously do is, you know, focus on helping them move the ball forward quicker as opposed to just giving them a login and password and saying, have at it. Um, and the other side of the coin is, is I mean, um, you know, you can run into uh, more significant, you know, business fluctuations in the, you know, in the SMB market, uh, right? Somebody may have a, a great strategy one day and the next day it's, you know, it's not so great anymore. And, uh, and the business starts to contract as an example. So, you know, the other side of the coin is, is we've worked with organizations again in the SMB market where they've grown by, you know, 10,000%. Uh, you know, in 12 or 15 months. And, and as such, their, their email program, uh, you know, helps them to grow there as well. So there's positives and negatives for both sides, really. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, so I guess switching gears really quick, I guess maybe even going back for a second. So which one do you like more? Which one did you, I mean, revenue, revenue aside, which one did you enjoy more? I enjoy the smaller business side is a little bit better because you, you can be closer, you know, to to the business itself or the business owner and, and the, um, you know, the, the focus or effectively the goals that they have specifically. Um, it, it's extremely hard to say, hey, we're going to come into Mercedes Benz and increase revenue by, you know, $200 million and have, you know, potentially a team on, on there, which is, you know, just excited about that because it really doesn't move the needle for them. Obviously, People can receive promotions and they can do well in their careers, but um, there's a big difference when you go into a, a small business who's doing maybe five million in revenue, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you've helped them grow that to twenty million in revenue, right? It's a, it's a little bit more exciting, I guess you could say, under that under that auspices. And again, we can have a, a more significant impact in working with those individuals and helping to guide them and uh, you know utilize the strategies that we, of course, know will be most successful. Right. So it's the the impact. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well. Tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing this business. 
I, I think the, the biggest struggle we have is the same one that many others have, which is, is certainly, um, you know, the, uh, the, the people side of things. Um, you know, managing more people is, is significantly more difficult today than I think it, it ever has been. And I, I don't see that uh, slowing down at all. You know, we, we, we deal with millennials, we deal with, with the older individuals, we deal with seasoned veterans. It, it's always going to be, I think, a, a bit of an issue until, uh, you know, we, we find, I guess you could say, the, the team of people who, who agree with everything that we are doing. And, and that's quite difficult. I think a lot of people, you know, start into companies thinking that uh, it's what they want and then they realize very quickly that it's not. And that's not just a Mariposa thing. That's pretty much everybody. So I think that, you know, as we continue to improve, that will be one of our, our main areas of focus is the is the kind of people management area. Got it. Do you have any tips for people to get better at that? I wish I had them because I'd be using them myself. I think the, the, the main point is to, you know, is to, to have a, an extremely vigorous hiring process where you, you know, leverage your, your core values. And hopefully, you know, most people have, are, are either building an organization or part of an organization where they, they have a core set of values that they can really, you know, look at every time they're, they're questioning, you know, potentially a, a new hire. Um, and taking those values and, and again, utilizing them in the interview and in the onboarding process, because you're going to learn, you know, a lot more about uh, an individual when you start to ask them, you know, what they feel about, you know, work ethic being a core value or, phil- you know, philanthropy being a core value. You know, the answers that they provide are going to be very helpful. And I think the other uh, key area is to, you know, is to definitely take your time with it. I think, you know, for myself, I, I've always rushed, uh, you know, in the interest of moving uh, forward as fast as possible, rushed into, you know, bringing individuals on board that had I taken a bit more time, I would have realized, okay, this person is, you know, potentially not the right fit or uh, even better, this person is an amazing fit. And, and I'm, you know, thank God I'm hiring them as an example there. Right. And that, that's what happens. I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're incentivized to hire people quickly just to take things off our plate or make things easier for the current people. But when you hire too quickly, sometimes what happens is you might put the right person or the, the wrong person, I should say, the wrong person in the right seat. And that person actually tends, that means that person can do the job, but that person's an asshole, right? So that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and as you, you mentioned, I mean, that can, take away basically all of that, that time you were looking to pass off and, and literally amplify it for yourself. Yep, which is terrible. So yeah, think about your hiring, guys. Okay, so working towards wrapping up here, I mean, how do you, how do you structure your day? I, I really, I, I wouldn't say there's much structure to it. I still handle a lot of the, the frontline areas of the organization. I still do product demos all the time. Um, I'm still involved with support all the time or customers all the time. I'm involved with finance and HR all the time. So there's not a lot of structure to it. It's not to say that that's something I, I shouldn't be doing or I wish I was doing. But I'd say today, I mean, my my focus is literally to uh, wake up and, and pretty much jump right into, you know, whatever I have on my plate that day and, you know, and, and drag that on pretty much as late into the evening as possible. Um, I'd say that one of the core areas that I'm focusing on now is certainly uh, the design and development of, of again, our, our new sales cloud platform. I, I think that that is, um, you know, really the, the key to our, our future success and, and future growth, mainly because of the, uh, you know, the overall, uh, you know, customer base that that has versus, say, the enterprise email space. So I, I'm heavily focused on that front, I guess, is the, the short answer. Got it. Cool. We'll have to take a look at that. So, I mean, your your background, I mean, you were working at sales and marketing organizations or you're saying you're kind of in sales and marketing roles in the past? I was in, in sales previously in the past, yeah. Got it. And then so, the I mean, Mariposa is your brainchild, right? It is, yes. So how, how does a sales and marketing guy, I guess this is, 
I guess I can answer the question for myself. How does a sales and marketing guy become this product visionary? I, I think I was always interested in, in what would help customers the most. Um, one, one of our core features, which is, is called Journeys or is marketing automation, uh, you know, it's a drag and drop format and you can create process flows and all that kind of stuff. And it's not to say we're the only company that had that, but you know, 10 years ago when I first started in the space, thankfully the company I was working at had a lot of really unique features. Now, I, I don't know if any of them worked at the time. Uh, that wasn't my company, so I wasn't in control of that. But um, you know, I, I really wanted to expand on what helped people be more efficient. So whether that was using automation, obviously that's a key area, or whether it was making you know our, our user interface very simple to to accomplish and maybe a, a more complex task, um, I've always really kind of been you know interested in that, and and not only uh, that, I'm always interested in what others are doing. So looking at you know the multitude of of solutions that we use today, and and you know seeing where people are doing things well and where people aren't doing things very well, and and obviously consuming that information and. Uh, you know, and deciding what I maybe want a new feature that we're building to look like or how I want it to function or what options I do want it to have. Right. I mean, I, I think obviously, I mean, it, it's it's important to have the visionary, but you also mentioned that you have a genius kind of technical co-founder. So how'd you go about linking up with this guy? We do. We actually met on uh, Odesk, which is now Upwork, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So six years ago, I, I, I was working with somebody else at the time and it, it really just wasn't working out in terms of uh, our, our personalities or our focus. And um, I was going to just shut down the company and, you know, said, I'll, I'll just keep working and everything was going well at the time. So it's not like it was it was any any issue there. But um, yeah, I went on to Odessa. He was the first person I spoke to and uh, we've been going together ever since. That's an incredible story. So, see, that's why I mean, some, sometimes people sleep on like you know Odesk or like you know Fiverr or whatever. But there's actually really smart people that work there. Yeah, there, there definitely was. I mean, I would I would certainly consider our our CTO to be one of the top developers on the planet. Um, and I don't say that because he's he's my partner. I say that just because that's the reality of what we've been uh, experiencing in terms of uh, how he's able to build and. Uh, that's why we've always been such a great team as well. He he knows the architecture uh, flawlessly, and and I have a, a firm understanding of what our our customers and and the market is looking for. Incredible. So were you were you guys? Was he? I'm assuming he w- was probably not in a Toronto area initially. So did you get him to just move over? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So he was, and he was located over in in India, and um, we worked for or, or we worked cross border for I think three or four years without even meeting. Uh, three years actually, I think it was. Wow. Without ever meeting and then uh, and finally did and, and now he is uh, yeah, he's in Toronto with us as well. That's hilarious. Okay. Well yeah. working towards wrapping up here, uh, what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Uh, funny enough, I am not a reader. I have uh, I, I've tried to make my way through a couple of books, but it, it's not unfortunately not uh, something I've, I've had a lot of experience in. <laughs> uh, not, to, not to say something I don't want to change, but um, you know I, I, I I've certainly listened to portions of Steve Jobs' biography, and I think there's some some really great components out there about being you know uh, ruthless in terms of your your expectations of people and and your you know expectations of the products or the services you're offering. I think that, you know, the most successful people out there do obsess about, um, you know, about the, the I guess you could say the quality of their, their service or their product. And I think the better you can do that, um, you know, the, the more, I guess you'd say the more proud you'll be over the organization you're looking to build. And I, I think that was a, a again, short little blip that I, I happened to listen to. 
uh, that I found to be really helpful. Great. So everyone check that one out. It's Steve's Jobs by Walter Isaacson. I'm, I'm assuming it's that one. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Great. Final question for you, actually. Uh, what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value for you? So it could be like Evernote, but not Mariposts. Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, in the last week, we started using um, Asana, if you're familiar with them, or Asana. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, for what we need it for, it, it's been phenomenal. I mean, I think we were, uh, funny enough, being an email marketing company, we were finding ourselves managing far too many, you know, essentially tasks or, or uh, internal items um, you know, within email where it's very easy to forget that you had, you know, an email thread going about a, a legal or finance or HR matter that you don't want to forget about. So we found that this has been a great way to, uh, you know, to essentially handle tasks internally. And we've really enjoyed it. And it's really only been, I think, about two weeks that we've been using it. But um, it solved, you know, us moving away from from a lot of spreadsheets, uh, you know, in the same format, I guess you could say. Love it. Well, Ross, this has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, just to uh, either come to our site, uh, maripost.com, or to uh, email me directly, ross at maripost.com, of course. All right, Ross, thanks so much for doing this. No problem. Thanks for the time, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.